Many of us are in critical stages in our lives where we are forced to trust on God for his promises to be fulfilled. Whether you're facing a current trial of sorts, or maybe you're in a period of waiting on God for clarity. Regardless, we are all ultimately waiting on the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. And as we wait, it is critical for us to understand what his promises are, how God deals with his promises and how he has dealt with his promises throughout Scripture and ultimately what he expects of us in our waiting. You see, God's promises are so important to understand because they make up the foundation of our faith. In fact, our faith is built on the promise that God the Father will save us from death, from our own sins. And if promises are at the foundation, promises run throughout. And what a better place to start at the topic of promises than the story of Abraham. God comes to Abraham and he makes to him the following promise. Genesis 15 verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. You may have often heard this passage quoted before how Abraham believed in God's promise that he will have an offspring as many as the stars in the heaven. And that was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham was made righteous by his faith in God's promise. This is a picture of how we can be made righteous by faith in God and in God's promises. But when you look at what Abraham is saying, I believe it's funny because soon thereafter, this faith is tested. And as time goes by and Abraham gets older and his wife Sarah gets older past the age of childbearing, Abraham starts wondering to himself, well, you know, God made that promise way back and I don't know how this is going to work out because how are we going to have this offspring that's going to be more than the stars and the heavens? Yet my wife is too old to, and we don't even have one child yet. How is this possible? How will this promise be fulfilled? And he and his wife, the Sarah, they start pondering this and they start conjuring up their own idea on how they can make this promise come to fulfillment. And we read in Genesis 16, verse two, Sarah said to Abraham, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant, Hagar. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarah. The story takes such a peculiar turn 
Because in Genesis chapter 15, God gives him this promise. Abraham believes it and it is reckoned to him as righteousness. But then in Genesis chapter 16, Abraham listens to his wife, Sarah, and they doubt. They wonder, is this promise of God going to come to fruition? Or is there something we need to do? You see, one of the greatest sins that Abraham really dwells in is impatience. He does not have the fruit of the spirit of patience and he does not fully trust God with doing this miracle of letting his wife, who is old, bring forth a child of promise. And, you know, in this age, the season of limbo, if you will, that that Abraham is in where 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 it's seen where, where he's not nothing is really happening right now. Oftentimes we enter those seasons in our own lives. Seasons where we have God's promise on the horizon. He's, he, we know what it is, but right now we're looking around and nothing is happening. We feel like we're going nowhere slowly. And then the enemy comes, Satan, and he comes with guilt and shame. And he says, well, look, you're useless. There's no, God has abandoned you. He's forsaken. He's forgotten about you and the promises he's made to you. And then in our guilt and shame of, well, we feel like we're not doing enough. We start trying to do something. We start trying to make our own plans to bring about God's promises. And usually those plans are evil. Like Abraham and Sarah's plan was evil to get a slave girl and to have Abraham be with her so that they could have a child and that would then be the child of promise. But that's not what God said. It had to come through Sarah. God was going to do a miracle through Sarah and Abraham and Sarah was about to rob God of the fact that he wanted to do a miracle in the ways that he wanted at the time he wanted to do it. But God would not allow such a thing and he would do it anyway. You see, brothers and sisters, when we are faced with the promises of God and and we're in seasons that feels like we're not going anywhere, It's so important for us to understand that he has to be the one that fulfills the promise. We can't try and make our own plans. And what our responsibility is, is simply to follow what's in front of us. You see, God will come and and clearly lay out the path for us to walk in. Make it clear. He'll shine his light on, on where our footsteps are to land. But when it's not clear... When we don't know where to go, we don't go and walk out from under his cloud into finding our own path. No, we stay there, even though we can be at the same place for days and months and even years on end. But now we have to face an uncomfortable question. If we often think of Abraham's faith as being so great that righteousness was attributed to him, How could it be that in the very next chapter, it seems that he loses a lot of that faith as he makes his own plan? He's not trusting in God's promise anymore. 
And now what, what about his righteousness that was attributed to him for his initial faith? Is that not in danger? You see, Abraham believed in the promise. He just didn't believe in the way it would come about. He took that into his own hands. And see, when we have faith in God, we will go through seasons and times of our life where we make mistakes, where our faith could even fail us under certain circumstances, just like it did Abraham and Sarah. But God comes and he upholds his covenant with Abraham. Because God came to Abraham and said, I'm going to do this. I am going to bring this amazing promise about. And see, even though Abraham's faith failed him, God still stuck with Abraham. God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord who goes with you. And this piece of Abraham's story really teaches us even on the topic of salvation itself, because each and every one of us, we have to trust God with a promise of that he will save us from our own sins. And this is really what this picture of Abraham's promise is all about. And Paul writes about Sarah and Hagar and Abraham himself. And he says the following Galatians 4.22, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. As Hagar, the slave woman, ended up being with Abraham, they had a son, Ishmael. This is the son of the slave woman. But later, God did a miracle. And he, even regardless of Abraham and Sarah's unbelief, he still did the miracle and allowed Sarah to bear a son, Isaac, the son of the free woman. Paul is using this example to teach us about salvation itself. He is saying that the son of the slave woman was born through the flesh and the son of the free woman was born through the spirit. And the point is that when Hagar was told to be with Abraham to bear a son, that was a plan of the flesh, a son of the flesh, because Ishmael was born from Abraham and Sarah's own plans to bring about God's promise instead of trusting on God for the miracle to bring about God's promise. That is born from the flesh, their own work, their own idea. Well, Isaac was born through God's promise, not through Abraham and Sarah's own idea and own works and own actions from their own flesh, but by a miracle of the spirit. 
And so Paul is talking about salvation. You see, when we go about and we look upon God's plan of salvation, his promise of salvation for our lives, to, uh, for us to be saved from our own sins, we have an option. We can look upon God's promise and trust God's plan to fulfill that promise, which is Yeshua himself, Jesus dying for your sins. And he having his righteousness imputed to us by placing our faith in him. Or we, like Abraham and Sarah, can grow impatient, can lose trust in how God would accomplish this mighty work of saving us. And we can make our own plan, have our own works be what we attempt to use to make us righteous. You see, like Abraham and Sarah had their own plan of getting the slave woman to do something. So it was at Mount Sinai with the people at Mount Sinai, as Paul told us that at Mount Sinai, they they were bearing children for slavery. And so it is. Paul writes in Galatians 5 verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And in verse four, he says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Contrary to what many teach, Paul is not speaking down on God's law. And when he speaks about Mount Sinai bearing children for slavery, he's not speaking against God's law there either. He is simply saying that the people at Mount Sinai, many of them were trusting in themselves to enter the promised land. They did not have faith in God to the end. That's why many of them died in the wilderness. Because they did not believe and trust in God's promise of bringing them into the promised land, but they trusted in themselves. And so it is, he's now saying for us today, if we seek to be justified by our own plans, our own keeping of the law. And that word justified is important. He's saying, if you are seeking to be saved, justified before God, be holy enough to enter the promised land of salvation, you cannot do so by your own works. But he then says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. In other words, we need to choose the path of believing God to bring about his promises in our life, whatever that promises, and especially the promise of salvation. And so we see that keeping the law does not necessarily equate to hoping to be justified by the law. This is a very important distinction to make because to, to attempt to be justified by the law means that I am trusting in my own works and keepings of the law to justify me before God as perfect and able to enter his presence. However, that's not necessarily why we ought to keep the law. We shouldn't. We should keep the law and be obedient to God because we are saved, because we are justified by the blood of Christ. We are saved through faith in him. And then we continue walking as he walked and he was obedient to his father's instructions. 
But we don't do so because we try to be justified before God. We do so because we are and we love him and we want to be more like him. This story of Abraham and Sarah is a parallel of Adam and Eve as well. Just like Adam and Eve were in the garden and God made a promise to them. He said, I am making you in my image and it is good. And then the snake came and he questioned, he he placed a doubt in their minds. Well, did God really make you in his image? Because if you eat of this tree, you will become like God. He was trying to sell them something they actually already had in their grasp, a promise of God. He, the enemy came with a counterfeit promise and the same with Sarah and Abraham. God promised them they will have descendants as many as the stars in the heavens. And then the enemy came and said with a doubt, well, are you sure that's going to happen? Because you guys are getting old and I don't know if that's for real, if God's going to really make that come about. Are you how long are you still going to wait for that? And then he, the enemy came with the doubt and this plan of, well, we could have our own plan instead of trusting in God. In both stories, we see that man relied on their own works to bring about God's promises. For Adam and Eve, it was them eating of a tree that was going to make them into God's image as if some other means could do so, except if only the creator of heaven and earth made them in his image. And in Abraham and Sarah's plan, it was their work of trying to take Hagar to bring about an offspring. But despite all of this unbelief in God's promises, in betraying God as all as Abraham and Sarah and Adam and Eve did, this does not stop God from bringing about his promises. And this is incredible because you would think that God, considering who he is, would move on to someone else or forsake them. But yet, in terms of Adam and Eve, he does not forsake humanity. In fact, he makes a plan to bring about salvation, to repair the breach through giving us Jesus, Yeshua. And with Sarah and Abraham, he doesn't abandon them either. Instead, he still brings about his promise and Sarah gets pregnant. This is good news for you and good news for me. It means that our father is one who does not give up on us even when we've given up on him. It means that even when we don't believe in him, he still believes in us. It means that he comes and he doesn't leave us or forsake us. But even when we betray him, he's there for us. And he's always there waiting patiently for us to turn around back to him. And as long as we do turn back to him, there's a way back. As long as there's time. But... Even though God comes and he's always there for us and he's ready to repair the breach. When we have unbelief 
And when we take things and matters into our own hands, there are consequences. And we see some of those consequences with Sarah and Abraham in Genesis 16, verse 10. The angel of the Lord also said to her, Hagar, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. I want to submit to you that both the physical and spiritual lines of Ishmael is still very much alive today. You see, if you think about the world today and you think about this description that God gave to Hagar, he said that this will be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. If you think about nations today in the Middle East, where they are against everyone and everyone against them, many have theorized that there are some Arab Muslims who are of this descent. In fact, Muhammad himself believed that he is of the descendants of Ishmael. And today, these nations in the Arab world have become a thorn in the side of Israel as well as the world. Everyone's hand is against them and their hand is against everyone. For they are a well donkey of a man, as the description goes. That does not mean they cannot be saved. God still offers them salvation. However, we can also see that there are spiritual descendants of Ishmael today. You see, Ishmael in the, is in the world and the world, in, the, in fact, is as Ishmael, where the world trusts in their own works to save themselves instead of trusting in the promise of God, instead of trusting in Christ. We see in Galatians 4.29, but just as at that time, he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, Isaac, so also it is now. Islam is a religion whereby which one trusts in their own works to save them. And so it is with all of the world's other religions, except for those who follow Jesus Christ. And so this is the pattern of the world, this way of Ishmael, if you will. And Paul says in Galatians, just as it was prophesied of all that, those who are trusting in their own works to save them, will be at odds and will persecute those who trust in God and who are led by the Spirit to be saved by Yeshua himself. But why would God allow this wild offspring to be created? You see, God has to uphold his promise to Abraham. God told Abraham, Abraham, your offspring will be as many 
as the stars in the heavens. And so even though Abraham was with Hagar and then he was with Sarah, all of Abraham's offspring, whether they are good or whether they are bad, whether they're of the women, uh, whether they're of the son of freedom or of the son of slavery, they were all of his line and they will all be increasing. And so that's why it's important for us to make sure we don't take God's promises into our own hands because the consequences can be great. And similarly, in Adam and Eve's story, therefore yielded a similar consequence to Sarah and Abraham's fall. You see, in Adam and Eve's fall, they had a twofold type of offspring. On the one hand, people who would be sons of freedom, who believed in God and believed in the coming Messiah. And on the other hand, sons of slavery, men and women who would believe in themselves, that they themselves could make themselves free and that their own works could save them. But despite all these downfalls and mistakes of men as they had unbelief, God still did something amazing in the story of Abraham. And it was the start of deliverance for all people. You see, Abraham's son of freedom, Isaac, who was born of Sarah, would have a spiritual line accompanied by the physical line. We read about it in Galatians 3 verse 6. Just as Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Abraham's faith in God's promise, along with God's covenant with Abraham, meant that Abraham became the beginning of God's fulfillment of salvation for the world. Yeshua, Jesus, came from that same line of the son of freedom. And ultimately, all who would put their faith in Yeshua, in Jesus, would become part of the spiritual descendants of that line of Abraham, which is Isaac, the son of freedom. We then have to now ask the question, if we are now part of Abraham's line as we are believers, what promises of Abraham can we also partake in? Because Paul says they belong to us now too. One of those promises are that you will be a blessing to the world. Genesis 12 verse 2, And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Those of faith who follow Christ have become a blessing to the world, for they proclaim deliverance. They have become deliverance for the world, and they have become a source of hope and truth to the world. Similarly, God also came to Abraham and said, those who 
bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. Genesis 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Many have believed that this is a promise that have only been reserved for the Jewish people. And while the physical line of Isaac, the son of freedom, certainly belongs to that, this is also something that is now reserved for those who are of the spiritual line of Abraham, who are of faith, who are in Christ. In fact, Jesus himself reiterated this in the New Testament, talking about his disciples. And he said in Matthew 10, 42, whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Those who bless us will be blessed. But there is also a blessing that is within the Melchizedek blessing. As God came to Abraham, he also sent Melchizedek, a unknown figure, a strange figure who was a priest. And he came with wine and bread, blessing Abraham. And we see in Genesis 14, verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. No matter who you think Melchizedek actually was, I believe we can all agree that he was a picture of Yeshua himself. As he arrived to Abraham with bread and wine, this is a picture of how Yeshua, Jesus, arrived at his disciples with the bread and the wine. The bread that is his body broken for us all and his wine, the blood of the covenant. Ultimately, it represents how he laid down his life and died for our sins, how his body was broken for us. And this is the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise. And this is the ultimate blessing that Melchizedek brought Abraham and that Yeshua brings us. And this promise is a promise that he will deliver us from this world, from our slavery, our bondages and our enemies, just like Abraham was delivered from his by God. And just as Abraham thanked Melchizedek for this blessing, we thank God the same way by tithing our life to him. Not just 10%, but for us to become a living sacrifice, for us to give all up to give to him. And of course, just as uh, Abraham tithed the 10% to Melchizedek. It is important for us to give back into God's kingdom. Abraham understood this principle in his heart and soul. And so Yeshua called his disciples, as we see with Peter and the apostles, how they called all disciples to make a contribution to God's kingdom. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you this question. 
What is it that God has promised you? And do you fully believe in his promises? And if you do, great. But my second question to you, just as importantly, is do you believe that he will be able to bring those promises about? Or will you make your own plan to try and bring them about? For if we rely on our own plans, we will delay the fulfillment of God's promises like Israel dwelled in the wilderness, delaying their entry to the promised land because they did not fully trust God, but only complained. If we rely on ourselves, it will also yield great consequence, just like Ishmael, the son of slavery and Isaac, the son of freedom, were both born from the same line of promise that is Abraham, even though God only really wanted to bring about the promised son through Sarah. But regardless of what happens, God will have his way and God's promises will be accomplished, even if we try and stand in his way, whether we know it or not. And we can trust him that even though we've made mistakes in the past, and even if those mistakes have consequences today, he will work out all things, even those consequences for his glory. All things will work to his glory. But we have to put our faith and trust in him that he will bring about a solution to our mistakes. He will do so. He will do so. He will give us freedom. He will deliver us from our mistakes and our slaveries when we have chosen slavery, when we didn't even know what we were doing. But will you this day, as you're breathing and sitting and as you have time, will you this day choose whom you will serve and choose whom you will believe? Will you believe the voice of the enemy who places doubt and fear and uncertainty in what God has promised? Or will you trust in what God has simply said, even if that promise came years ago? And even if that promise is a promise that seems far away and impossible to happen in the midst of you, even if that promise really needs a big miracle, do you believe that the miracle maker can make the miracle for you? Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and the faith to believe in your promises. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. You would forgive us where we have forgotten to trust in your promises and we have, where we have forgotten your promises. Father, we will no longer yield to the voice of the enemy, but Father, help us to hear, listen and obey your voice, your promises. And Father, in the time where we're in of trials and in the time we're in right now, where we feel like we're in limbo, going nowhere, Lord, where we are, help us to rest in our salvation, rest in our promise. Oh God, help us to rest in what you have given us, because that's where we're filled. And that's where we're blessed. Help us to be the blessing to the world you have made us to be, because that's part of the promise you have given us. Oh God, help us to be more like Yeshua. We pray this all in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.